Hello, everyone. How are you doing? And welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where we have the discussions that inform, entertain, and challenge educators to be the change. I'm your host, Dr. Will. In each episode, I zoom in someone who's just really dope, and they're making things happen. And we have discussions and, and chit-chat and kick back and talk about ways and strategies on how you can live your best life. Now, today, we're going to be talking to Ben from Alt School. And this is a different, you know, type of school. And when you talk about all these things with school choice and charter schools and uh, corporations getting into education, I decided, particularly after looking over the things that they were doing, let's give it a shot. Let's see if they'll come on the show. And they agree. And we want to talk about not only their school, but some other things that are pertinent to those of us who actually work in public education. So today I have with me uh, Ben again. Uh, will you introduce yourself for those who will be watching on YouTube? Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, Dr. Will. My name is Ben Cornell. Uh, I started my career as a middle school teacher. Today, I'm the VP of Partnerships at Alt School. Um, the work that I've done over the last 15 years is trying to understand what works in education and how do we scale it? Because the truth is, there's a great classroom, there's a great lesson, there's a great teacher doing great work every single day in every school in America. And what we've got to figure out how to do is not innovate or invent something brand new. What we have to do is figure out how to help those teachers, those educators um, scale their practice. And what that can be is in their own classroom or it can be across their school, across the systems. So that's my job. I work at, at Alt School. We have four lab schools, uh, two in San Francisco, two in New York, where we really started with the, st the student and said, what would an education look like if you started with the student and built it out from there instead of building from the system back to the student? And then uh, our partner program, we have currently six partners. Two of them are public school districts to our religious schools, uh, one independent and one charter. And next year we'll have about 20 partners. And those partners we work with and they get support, they get uh, our technology that we use to support learning. And then also um, we help them with that work to scale what works in a few classrooms to their whole system. Uh, it's lunchtime. I'll yep. see you, Dr. Will, I'm out. <laughs> thank you, thank you, there goes that bell. Um, <laughs> So there are so many people that, I mean, you see it everywhere. Huge publications nationally. You see folks on CNN and Fox and MSNBC. You even got folks in the White House who are like, public education is broken, right? So the first thing I want to ask you is, do you find that assessment to be true? Mm -hmm. uh, and if so, how, how and what can be done to actually transform public education to meet the needs of the modern learner? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know how many times I get asked this question, and I think there's an assumption when you're an entrepreneur and you're working at a startup that you, your fundamental belief is that education is broken. I actually think the opposite. I think there's great education going on in classrooms across the country, um, sometimes despite the systemic challenges, we built the perfect system. Our American education system was the perfect system for what we needed in the 1950s and 60s. 
but the world has changed and we need to adapt with it too. And I, I, I think what I found is that teachers understand that, students understand that, parents understand that, and we're working with systems that were built in that old industrial era. So what we're really trying to do is understand how we can be more adaptive, more nimble, a little bit less top down and one size fit, fits all, and much more meeting the needs of each learner. But no, it's not broken. In fact, um, there's more exciting things going on in schools today than there were at, ever, at any point in human history. What we've got to figure out how to do is just connect those dots, support it, and scale it. So I want to throw this question out there for you when you talk about being nimble, being agile, and, and scaling this system to meet this information economy we, we all live in, and you just mentioned the top-down approach. You, you work at a school that allows you the freedom to make decisions that you want to. But the average public school, don't have, they don't have that freedom. They have mandates from the state. They have mandates from the federal government. They do these end-of-the-year assessments where there's a cutoff score where all children must meet, even though we know that, I mean, developmentally, that's just not plausible. Uh, you also have regulations on terms of what does your calendar year look like? What does your school day look like? Uh, how, do, how does your schedule look like? Like, we can't even change our schedule un until the state approves it. So knowing that this is some of the things that schools have to overcome, what do you say to them when they look at you and, and, and you say, and they say, well, you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do, and we don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I just say I, I really empathize. You know, when I was in the classroom, I taught five years middle school. I was born a middle school teacher. I just love that age group, you know. Uh, we were, is at the height of No Child Left Behind. And we had three periods of English and two periods of math. That was it. And at a, a large group of English language learners, I had a lot of students from high poverty backgrounds. And, um, you know, in many respects, they could get the test score, but the love of learning was pushed out. And what I would say is No Child Left Behind did two really good things for us. One, it proved once and for all that there's inequity in our system and that folks from uh, low-income backgrounds or students of color are not getting the same kind of quality support as other kids. Second that it proved is that what you measure really matters. And here's where, uh, you know, it moved the system, it changed the system, but where I have a difference with No Child Left Behind is what it measured. A math score and a reading score does not give you the full portrait of a student as a learner. It, it, it denies many assets that students bring to the table as learners. And so I think um, many of us know that this next phase of work is really around how do we move to social emotional learning? How do we move to competency-based learning across um, multiple subjects because it's not just what you know it's what you can do and how you reflect that so back to your question um, at alt school we're working with public school districts that are trying to translate what they're doing back to the system I've got to give you a letter grade A through F I've got to have you take the state test or an SAT or whatever that may be but they know for their learners that it's much more robust than that and um, 
you know, the arc that we've been on has been very um, focused on high stakes tests. I think we're moving to a place where performance assessment, that ability to demonstrate what you know and can do and reflect on that will become the new normal. But um, one thing that I can say is the evidence bears out that if you do great experiential learning that meets kids where they are and help push them forward, there is a positive side effect, which is that the test scores can improve. So what we're trying to do with our partners is thread that needle. How do you dual operate in the old system and move towards the new system? Um, but my last point on this question would be, look at any industry, look at any company, look at the workplace. Um, is, the, is the standardization, the, the restrictiveness, the immobility of our current system reflective of what the workplace looks like? It was 50 years ago. When you had to be on the factory floor and you had to be a line worker, what we were preparing kids to do with our school system was exactly perfect for what the jobs were of that day. And I think we've entered a new day. And I think it's a, you know, no technology, no practice can fundamentally um, succeed and flourish at scale if we don't also address those systemic um, components. And what's interesting to me is when people fail to see what's coming and capitalize on it, right? So I'm, I'm always reminded of Kodak, who dominated celluloid. And then they, had, they actually had someone in their company create the first digital camera. But the people at the top said, no one's going to be dealing with that. Celluloid is king. And they didn't do anything with it. And then they allowed the digital revolution to sweep in and go right over them, where they could have, again, ushered in a new era of using technology to take you know, pictures. And I see that now with schools, which is why one of the reasons I wanted to speak with you, because when I saw your platform uh, on the video, and we'll get into that, I was like, oh, this is interesting, using this technology, you know, personalizing the learning and taking students here and there and having that communication and that back and forth, I said, well, why isn't this something that isn't being done when so many schools around the country are going one-to-one -one or there are BYOD? So they can't use the technology as an excuse. So to that, what is alt school? Mm -hmm. And what was the pain point behind its creation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, and just before I dive into that, one thing that I will say that a lot of people miss when they apply those innovation models to how education works is in education, we care about all kids. And if you're a product or a company, you care about customers and you don't have to serve all customers. But in our education system, a quality education should be a right that everybody gets. And so we've got to be thoughtful that the innovation doesn't leave students behind. We've got to be thoughtful in making sure access, uh, equity of access is kind of the first step in, um, in giving everyone an opportunity to have a great world-class education. Um, but back to what is alt school, what are we about? Look, it's pretty simple. Every classroom across the country, educators have to do five things. They have to plan the learning, they have to engage students in that learning, they have to assess the learning, and then they have to understand where that student is so that then they can plan the next learning and engage them again and assess and then understand. 
all the while collaborating with other teachers, with the students themselves, with the parents and families. So if you take those five things, plan, engage, assess, understand, and collaborate, that's really what our platform helps teachers do. But instead of being prescriptive, here's your lesson plan, or here's your assessment, or here's how you will engage, we're, we created a flexible tool. Because what we know is that educators understand their learning community the best. And so what we've decided is instead of technology being the thing, let's talk about that vision for student-centered learning, which is really about for each kid, we meet them where they are and they help, we help them reach their full potential. Then what is our pedagogy? What are our instructional practices? What are our systems? What are, what's our culture? Then the technology is actually third. It just accelerates that or amplifies that. And too often, I, I don't know if you've had this experience too, I have a lot of educator PTSD with different technology programs being rolled out. Often we let the technology drive the instruction when really what we should do is let the learning and the teaching drive the instruction and the technology amplify it. And technology can amplify or enable really bad practice just as easily as it can enable really good practice. So we have to be thoughtful about um, technology not being the silver, silver bullet. So what does it look like to partner with AltSchool? When we do a partnership, there is no, here's the platform, good luck. It is really about a partnership where our team is working side by side with teachers, not only to implement the technical change, but also that adaptive change. How is my practice changing? How am I taking 150 students and really adapting my practice to meet the, the needs of each learner? Mm. So you, you have your, you, your unique platform that students use. How does the platform work? And walk me through how you are able to actually personalize uh, instruction for students. Yeah, so basically with that lesson plan, that's kind of the starting point where a person um, essentially um, builds a unit of study. It's project-based, it's comprehensive. Um, we have a library of units. We like to call it the Netflix. So it is not like, here's the unit you have to teach, but really you can select the one that's recommended for you, or maybe it's your grade level. Um, then you can remix that unit as much as you want. So you can create your own or you can remix those units. And, um, and those units are built so that you can assign the same exact thing for all kids. You could assign particular things to particular students or you could assign it for groups because we know personalization is not individualization. Mm -hmm. It means we're meeting the needs of each kid, but sometimes being in group work is actually meeting the needs of each kid. So in that unit, it's made up of something called cards and cards are those activities and you deal out those cards to the different students based on what their needs are. And some kids are going super fast and they want more cards. Some kids are going super deep and they need extension projects. And some students need more intervention and more support. And so you give them that support. The students then, on their end, they have a playlist. They see, here are my activities that I'm doing for this class or for this day. They may be cross-functional. I may be doing a project in science, math, and English that's all tied together. But for the students, this is really their workflow. And these are the things I'm working on. Here's the due dates that I have. Imagine in the you know, normal workforce, this is what it looks like. Where, where you know, I've got my projects and tasks that I've got to get accomplished this week and I'm thinking about how to use my time and my team to get those done. Once a student does 
the activity, they submit it to the teacher for review, which is the assess part. And so I'm able to tag that um, with common core competencies, uh, state standards, whatever um, you know, the regulatory uh, requirements there are, you can really tag it, but you can also use social emotional learning. So uh, I showed curiosity here, I showed resilience here, they can reflect on that. And then once you assess that, that goes to your data dashboard, a student can see how they're growing, uh, an educator can see where their students are, and they can make decisions about what to do next. And where it gets really exciting is when students are actually co-planning their work, students are engaging themselves, and then students are peer assessing or self-assessing. Um, the last thing I'll say is that um, AltSchool really believes that it's not just what you know, and it's not just what you can do, but it's also reflecting. And so there is a, a way that students over the course of the year, they also set goals for themselves. They reflect on those goals and they add evidence that say, hey, I'm really growing in this area. And it can be academic, it can be personal, it can be social, but they really own this idea of, I'm gonna get better in this way, and here's my evidence that I'm doing. Wow, that's nice, I like that. Well, you know what, Dr. Will, too, none of this is, is new. This is what teachers are doing every day, everywhere, with or without technology. So uh, I, I just want to also call out that, you know, what's innovative and what's not innovative, this is just good teaching. This is just good learning. And what we believe is that the technology can make that easier and more accessible, but the, the technology isn't the one doing the teaching, and the technology isn't the one doing the learning. It's just uh, a great toolkit for educators and students to engage in that learning cycle. And I hear you. And, and for me, you know, I'm a school of thought of the interconnectedness between technology and pedagogy. Mm -hmm. I don't like to separate the two because the technology allows you to do stuff with the pedagogy that you couldn't do beforehand. You know, so, you know, my wife teaches uh, gifted for second through fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And her students have been able to do projects, whether it be global read aloud, uh, to have these discussions with students all around the country on a particular book, as well as, you know, when she did an entrepreneurship unit, having Pam Slim come into her classroom and do a Q&A with her students. Sounds like we need to be working with her. She sounds like an old school teacher right there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that San Francisco housing market over there. Oh, hey, we're coming to Hattiesburg. We're going to make it happen. Um, I, you know, this is what I'm telling you before when you asked, is the system broken? There are great teachers doing that kind of work all across the country. And what we really just need to do is activate them and in a community because they're already doing great work. And, um, you know, they have that saying, many hands make light work. We see in every other industry, there's platforms that support people to do their job and make it more sustainable and scalable. And yet in education, we haven't figured out how to connect those dots. Um, back to, you know, your, your question around education and technology. One of the reasons why I love old school is we, we actually have to run our own schools. There is no technology guy who can say, well, this is the perfect thing. I'm going to have you do it. Um, instead, um, they are really um, side by side with educators and each of our teachers part of their job is to work on a product team and that product team um, basically drives the evolution of our product so we really are ed plus tech we have 
50 educators, uh, we have 50 technologists, and we have about 25 people who are thinking about how do we make this accessible to all kids. That's a pretty cool combination. And that sounds awesome. So now, since you brought that up, I want to ask you about your you know, curriculum, because earlier you mentioned the cards and, and what they would do, and you can remix and all that, and that was very awesome. But how do you decide sort of what would be, be taught? I know you mentioned state standards, but do you have sort of an overall goal? Because I, when I went to the website and you talked about the social, emotional, the leadership and other things, how you're looking, well, we want to educate the whole child. That's right. So how do you decide upon overall, how will we approach that? What does assessment look like? And how are you able to work with those students who come from those underrepresented groups? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I don't think it's all schools role to decide what should matter for you or for your students or for your community. I think our role is to help you enact what you think matters most. What I will say is we have a philosophy, which is if you measure it, it matters. And what we know is when we measure the heck out of English and math scores and nothing else, what are we gonna see more of? Work on English and math test scores. How many people are getting a job or going to college because of a state standardized English or math score? None. What they really care about in jobs and in college is the whole child and who they are. And so we believe you can measure that. And so when we're working with a school or a school district, we work with them to kind of understand what are those academic skills and how will you measure them? And then what are those social emotional skills? We come preloaded with Character Lab. It's a group out of University of Pennsylvania with Angela Duckworth. There's a lot of uh, data and research around that, those character habits, you know, things like resilience and grit. Um, and you know how you measure that is different than how you might measure an academic outcome. You measure that with students reflecting. You measure that by observing that behavior more and more. And you observe that in dialogue. Um, on the uh, performance assessment side, we believe that a multiple choice test is inevitably going to give you a narrow window of student competency. That said, there's, there's space for multiple choice tests. That's a good check for understanding. That's a good way to just solidify, do they understand that concept or do they know the answer? But that's knowledge-based. What we really care about is performance-based. What can I do with my knowledge? And so our system is built so that students can demonstrate that. So they're uploading videos, they're uploading um, documents and examples. They're taking, they have, there's a cell phone app where they're taking pictures. Um, we even have a school that we're partnering with for next year where they're going to job sites and they're documenting what they're doing at their job that actually shows that they're growing as a student. And this is really about whole child. It's about anywhere, anytime you can be a learner. And um, the, the technology side of it is not the hard part. Um, you know, it's really how do we get our schools, our systems, our educators, our adults thinking that the, um, the learning isn't just defined by you know, this test or that test, it's really defined by what kids can do. And it can be inside the classroom or outside the classroom. That's really cool. So, paint me a picture of a typical day at alt school. Mm. And how do students and teachers interact during the day? 
So at Alt School, we have our four lab schools, and then we have our partner schools. So I'll tell you, a day at our partner schools and our lab schools, they all look different. Um, when you have a flexible platform, we're in a we're in a large school in LA with you know middle school teachers that have 150 to 200 students each, and you know seven periods a day, and that bell's ringing, and th those kids are moving. In that environment, that's at Arcadia Unified in um, Los Angeles, the, the teachers are doing cross-functional projects where they're studying hurricanes and the impact of that. And they're, so they're looking at hurricanes and they're saying, what is the science behind a hurricane? How does that even work? Two, like, what is, they're reading about the history of hurricanes. They're understanding, uh, they're writing a, an advocacy piece on, we need to build more levees you know, for hurricanes, or we shouldn't build in territories that are below water. You know, you take both sides of the argument. Um, they're looking at the mathematics of what's the economic devastation. So they're doing, you know, I have 150 students that I share with these other middle school teachers, but we're doing this integrated project. And because it's all on the platform, that work isn't sitting in some milk crate or some filing cabinet. It's all there on the platform. So me and my other colleagues can see everything that each student and each student group is working on. And I can make sure that they're all getting their needs met and that they're all understanding the content and applying it. Um, that's different than another one of our partner schools, um, which is really, uh, it's an independent school in uh, Florida where they have 100 students total in the school. And they've got the maker space and they've got the laptops and this is called the green school. They've got an open concept where kids are moving around. It doesn't look like a traditional school. All of the walls are glass. You can see everything going on. And they've got second graders who are moving from room to room, owning their own learning, saying, you know, teacher, I'm working on this project. I'd love to have a conference with you for 10 minutes to talk about my work. And then they're moving to another room and they're saying, okay, I need help with this mathematical equation. So we have schools from everything from an open concept with, you know, open schedules to a very typical, you know, seven period middle school day where the alt school platform is at work. The last thing I'll say is our lab school. So this is where, this is where um, alt school has this learning engine that's incredible. We have teachers, many of whom come from public education, who are working with students um, from K through eight. And our engineers are embedded in those classrooms. So they're sitting side by side, looking at what the student's doing, what the teacher is doing. And each of those teachers, essentially 50% of their job is to help develop parts of the product. So what does that look like? Well, we had something really simple. We have that um, cell phone app. And what we noticed is that the kindergartners, first graders, second graders, all their pictures were blurry. So our engineers sitting there with the teacher and they're trying to understand, they see the kids using the, the app and they've got these iPad minis and they're trying to press that camera button. You know, there's that one camera button and everything's all shaky. So they realize it's because the kids are pressing that button on one side that it's all blurry. What if we redesigned the iPhone camera to make two buttons so that a kindergartner could hold it and take that picture? And so that's what they did. And in two weeks, three weeks, they've iterated enough that we have that new product feature. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, we, we have people really thinking about, you know, if a kid is reflecting on their work, how do we make sure that they're not just saying, I did a good job because I tried hard. You know, I, I have a six-year-old and he already, I say, how did school go today? And he's like, fine. And he's like, 
what did you learn? I didn't learn anything. You know, did, did you do well? I, you know, I turned it in. You know, that's not really reflection, right? Um, so we have engineers trying to think about how do you prompt kids to really be metacognitive about who am I as a learner? What matters to me? Is, am I growing? Am I not? What's getting in my way? And, you know, those are much more complex, but it's interesting because technology can nudge people in that direction. It can prompt them in a way like you just completed that. What do you think about this? Like, how did it go for you? What were your biggest struggles? What were your biggest challenges? When you have that prompt for a student, they're in that moment where they can really reflect on their learning. So that's just a little bit, you know, I kind of described an, uh, our partner in Arcadia, which is a large public school district. I described our partnership at the Green School, which is an independent school, open walled. And then I described a day in the life of our old school lab school. What's profound to me is that they're all interconnected by this learning community that we're building, which, you know, a, an educator is getting a unit, um, downloading it from the library from Green School, they're downloading it from Alt School, and they're using it in their classroom in a large public school and vice versa. So I think that's where uh, I get really excited because it's that idea that we're networking what's working across uh, the country. So now, what are you seeing with let's say you're students of color mm -hmm. or students that you you may have in your schools that come from a, a socioeconomic background that some would say, uh, if you were in a public school, they would say a title one. Yeah. Um, what are you seeing with those students with working with our school? Yeah. So three things on that. Um, first, one of the schools that we're partnered with also in Los Angeles is above 90% free and reduced lunch, you know, 75% um, uh, English language learners. Uh, you know, the work that we're doing is really at the intersection of innovation and equity. What we find is that so much of our system today does not acknowledge the assets of students who come from low-income backgrounds. And students of color often are almost more worldwide than many of our students who come from affluence and their ability to uh, reflect social emotionally on what they're strong at and where there is room for growth is very strong. You know, what's interesting I find is that it's a little bit different at the elementary, upper elementary and middle school level. What we find at the um, lower elementary level, so that'd be kindergarten first and second, is you're really learning to read. And then after that, you're reading to learn. So from a skills-based standpoint, there's a lot that can be done with personalized learning because you know where every student is at and you can help them accelerate. So we really focus on that skill building uh, with those lower elementary students. And when you've got that skill building, you can also build up their assets and can help them um, achieve their full potential. And I, I would also say um, you can make sure that the, the learning is meaningful and relevant. You know, um, we have... A, a student that's learning statistics because they love baseball. You know, trying to teach statistics with a statistics book is something that I wouldn't want to do. So, um, you know, using things that are both um, uh, appropriate to their level and helping them drive forward, but also that connect with them as people, um, I think that's pretty powerful across all grades. Now with upper elementary and middle school, then what you're able to do is um, use student agency to help the kid be in charge of their learning. And so much of our system today has an element of compliance 
that really forces out that creativity and energy for learning. And when we see the greatest growth in the uh, achievement gap or opportunity gap is really in middle school when that light of learning is really crowded out. And so, so much of what we're doing with upper elementary and middle school is about engagement, it's about agency, and then last, so that second, and then the last third is really around rigorously measuring social emotional learning. So it is not enough to take a test score and say that is that kid's full cognitive ability. When kids are able to explain, it, they're able to explain like, you know, here's what I was thinking and here's how I grew, you get a much better picture of the learning. And so I talked about equity of access. There's also inequity in, in our systems. So equity of systems means that we don't have test score uh, tests that are not socially contextualized for students. We actually allow for a performance assessment where students can demonstrate their knowledge in a contextually appropriate way. So I would just say, um, you know, we're hitting it at the lower elementary with skills. Across our grade levels, we're engaging students as agents of their own learning. And then third, we're allowing them to demonstrate performance uh, across a wide variety of ways, not just a single test score. Mm. So you have, you've come from a traditional uh, background in teaching at a middle school, you mentioned that earlier, and now you're here. Mm -hmm. What have you learned so far, and what has worked? Mm -hmm. Gosh, so much, um, so much. I think, um, you know, there's a lot that you learn and then you also earn a lot of humility over time. When I was a first year teacher, I walked in, I'm like, not in my classroom, here's where we're gonna be doing, like, why would you ever do that? Why would that happen? You know, I'm gonna be the greatest. Um, I don't think there's any learning experience one has in one's life um, that is more challenging and, uh, and tougher, but also uh, the, a bigger growth curve than being a first year, second year, third year teacher. By year five, I really um, had learned so much, not only about how kids learn, but also how adults uh, learn or do not learn and can get in the way of, of student agency. The one thing that I would just say that is really top of mind for me right now is that kids already get this. They, they are in the world as it is today. They are not in the industrial world. And the way that we're teaching when we do compliance-based or when we do kind of create this top-down system, it's irrelevant to them. They'll do it if they like you or if they love you as a teacher. They'll do it if they're achievement-oriented and they wanna make their parents proud or they wanna get that A. But when you look at how they socially interact, when you look at an authentic task, look at, a summer program, what do kids do in summer programs? They actually already get this type of learning and they engage in it, they love it, and they take off like rocket ships. So one thing that I'm asking myself a lot is how do we as adults make space for that? How do we get out of the way of their intuitive and natural learning disposition, especially in a world that is increasingly dynamic, that is increasingly social and interconnected? And this is where I think that we have to be careful not to overstate the role of technology. Technology isn't the silver bullet. It's around a teacher and students creating a learning community in their classroom or across their school where you build that trust, you build that confidence, you build that capability, 
for the students to actually drive that learning and the technology then supports that. And so um, when I, one just quote that stands out to me, I was working with um, this classroom down in Arcadia, the place I'd mentioned before. And I asked the student, so, so you're using the platform, how's that going for you, all of this stuff. And wow, it seems like you're really learning a lot. And the student looked at me and said, you know, I'm learning a lot, but I think my teacher is learning more than me. And what he meant was like this way of educating was really natural for him. And what he saw was his teacher was the one who's growing and evolving and thinking differently. And I just thought that was such a great insight, both in terms of where the real work is, it's about the adaptive change of us adults, um, not the technical change or not even the adaptive change for kids. If we adults can get our heads wrapped around what learners need for the 21st and 22nd century, my five-year-old or my six-year-old is going to be living in 2100. If we can get out of the way of that, if we can accelerate that, if we can engage and amplify that, then I do think we've got a bright future. Uh, if we if we adults don't make that mindset shift, I really do worry about our communities being prepared for all of the change that the 21st century is already bringing to, to our shores. Mm. This has been a great interview. I, I'm, I'm digging this. Um, ben. Thanks, Dr. Will. You're welcome. You're on your A game today, Ben. Hey, this is what I do. This is what I love. We're, you know, we're, we're, there's a community out there that is all doing this work and I'm just really honored to be part of that community. Awesome. So before we go, what is your, what do you say to those educators who they watch this interview or they'll, they'll hear it and they'll go, Ben is saying some great things, but this is still Silicon Valley. This is still corporate America encroaching itself upon public education. What do you say about uh, their concern? I mean, what do you do to address their concerns? Yeah, um, I would just say, uh, number one, I hear you. I've, as a public school educator, I've had all of those thoughts before. And I'll tell you too, when I was um, teaching, I saw other charter schools open up in my neighborhood and some of the um, best, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily the best students, but it was the most engaged parents. They would go to those charter schools and it really made it hard in, our, in my school where I was teaching. And then as I started thinking about how do we take what works and how do we scale it, I worked at a charter school and their, their world uh, view wasn't how do we take over everything and open more charter schools. They said, we want to do project-based learning and we want to do it rigorously, but a standardized test doesn't measure it. How do we create performance assessments? And so I worked on helping them build partnerships with other schools across the country. So my mind opened. And then now here I am working for a venture capital-backed company. You know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is a, and Chan Zuckerberg is an investor and so on and so forth. And what I found is that there are really passionate, incredible, intelligent people who want to serve schools. And the more that I get into this work, the more that they understand that they're not providing the silver bullet. They're providing a toolkit and investment in this space. And for far too long, us educators, we've had to piecemeal things together. We've had to go to that copy machine. I don't know if you've ever cut and pasted and done all that stuff. 
you know, we've, we've had to make it work with whatever we've got. Whereas healthcare or other industries, they have all of these tools and services that are coming to them to help them do their job better. Um, where I get scared with, the, with some of the developments in education is this mentality that we could replace educators. This mentality of we're moving to call center classrooms. And that's where alt school is totally different. Alt school is really about empowering and amplifying educators. But I do think that there's a danger if we let companies or technology drive the learning, we're going down the wrong path. But if we think about how do we get the tools and resources we need to superpower, supercharge our educators and our learners, then we're going down the right path. And that's where I think Silicon Valley just needs to understand its role and needs to understand its expertise can be additive and supportive, but it is not superior to that of our classroom teachers who are doing this day in and day out. And the last thing I'll say, Dr. Will, is uh, our country has an, an achievement gap. There are equity issues within our own country, but I also look outside of our country, and I realize we're falling faster and faster behind the uh, rest of the world. And if we don't take this engine of innovation and, and technology and incubation here in Silicon Valley and really across the country, there's tech companies everywhere now. Uh, if we don't take that as an asset and use that to, to – um, help our students become the leaders of tomorrow, our country is in trouble. And so I would just say, um, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit that is in Silicon Valley, I see in classrooms across the country. And I think this can be an incredible partnership if we really do it right. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again, Ben, for coming on the show. This was awesome. Thanks, Dr. Will. I hope you have a great day. And, uh, you know, if, if folks who are listening to the podcast want to reach out to us, they can email us at partners at altschool.com. That's partners with an S at altschool.com or go to altschool.com to check us out. Um, you know, we're, we're not taking, we're full in terms of our partner program for this fall, but we're always looking for folks for the 2019 uh, school year. So if, uh, if people are interested or they have practices that they want to share, We'd love to hear from them. Awesome. Again, people, thank you uh, for tuning in and listening. Uh, you know how I do this. The, the video cast will be going up on YouTube. The podcast is going up on iTunes and SoundCloud. I need you to go follow, subscribe, leave your comments, because your boy's trying to get Oprah on the show, and I need her to know that I'm trying to do big things around here. Uh, as always, invest in you, edu. Peace.